You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're chatting with Anthony Trucks, a CEO, former NFL athlete, American Ninja Warrior on NBC, author, international speaker, and the host of two podcasts, Aw Shift and Shift Starter. Anthony is the founder of Identity Shift Coaching, and after being given away into foster care at just three years old, adopted into an all-white family at 14, and losing his NFL career to an injury, he learned how to shift identities at a very young age. And now it's his life mission to teach others how to make shift happen in in their own lives. Anthony has been featured on NBC, The CW, Amazon, Netflix, National Geographic, and his latest book, Identity Shift, Upgrade How You Operate to Elevate Your Life, comes out in September. In today's episode, we discuss Anthony's rocky upbringing, how he first got into football, and the major life shift he endured while in the NFL. We'll also chat about Anthony's shift method, his advice for creating your ideal persona, and how external factors shape your identity. If you've been feeling held back lately, this episode is a must listen. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I am super looking forward to this interview. I feel like you have such an inspiring story. You are a very positive person. And from the outside, you might think that you had this wonderful childhood Mm -hmm. given your demeanor and how positive you are. But turns out you had a very difficult upbringing. Yeah. And uh, today, you know, you're a former NFL player, you're an international speaker, you're a podcast host, you're a TV personality, you're very accomplished. But let's go back to the beginning. I want to hear about what it was like for you being in foster care. Because from my understanding, when you were three years old, you went into foster care. It was a pretty abusive situation. So let's start there. Talk to us about what it was like for you as a child, and then maybe uh, bring us to you getting adopted by your family when you were 14. Yeah, it's uh, going back in the time. We, we need to get like that back to future music or something so we can go back that way. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I was I was given away. My mom essentially didn't want me or my three siblings. And so she decided that we were better off in the foster care system, which we weren't. And so between, the, I think, six different houses and a lot of different abuse and torture, I was put in chicken coop and forced to chase chickens to earn meals. And I was put shopping carts, pushed down hills, forced to like lick the bottom of people's shoes. It was really heinous stuff. And this is all before the age of six. And then at six years old, was placed into my family now, which is still in my current family. But the unique thing is we were really poor and I was the only black person in an all white family. And so we had a lot of dynamics that were just kind of off. And I had struggled with identity a lot just because I didn't know who I was or where I fit or what was family. And so I spent a lot of time just navigating the ups and downs of that. My first foster dad in that house was just a really bad guy. My mom eventually divorced him, remarried a guy who's only 12 years older than me, who's my dad. 
which is a really interesting dynamic in of itself. And so for the next eight years in that family, up until the age of 14, just had to battle a lot of where do I fit? Who am I? What can I do? I couldn't play sports. My biological mom was just legitimately crazy. And so a lot of weirdness, man. And then at 14, finally got to go into a courtroom to stand in front of my biological mom and tell her I do not want you to be my mom anymore and severed parental rights, which would allow me to then be adopted and then start life. So that's the the developmental years of my life were just not mattering. So those who are probably listening going, I, I don't know how to you know, kind of connect to that. Imagine any time when you felt less than or like you didn't matter or like you had no idea, like you felt like a leaf in the wind, which we all at some point have felt like a leaf in the wind. That's how I started my life. Wow, that's so sad. And so just so I can like uh, help the listeners understand even more. So while you were in foster care, your mother actually had control over you and your decisions, right? So you weren't allowed to play sports and things like that. So how did that impact you? The fact that you weren't even allowed to do the things that normal kids were allowed to do? Yeah, it's tough because what essentially happens is now you're in a situation where you have to find a way to feel like you matter. There's a a shame of what you, you know, can't tell your friends that you're going through, but yeah, you're just not allowed to. So I have to watch everybody else kind of play. Funny thing was football was one game I really wanted to play. And my mom had these parental rights where she could control things. And so while everybody's playing football, I wasn't allowed to. So Fridays was the day before Saturday game and all my classmates would have their jerseys from the football teams they're part of. And I'd, I have to watch and sit there and hear about it on Monday and just never actually had a chance to feel that because my biological mom had control. Although she didn't live in the home, she had control what I could and couldn't do. And so that was just, it's like living in a household with two different rules. That must have been so tough. So by the time you got into high school, when did you actually, I guess, get to play football? It was once you were adopted by that new family, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I got to be adopted. Yeah. So when I finally got adopted, that's when everything kind of changed. It was a situation where now, like this family was my family. And so they had the control to be able to say I couldn't, couldn't do anything. So now I could go play football. I wasn't good. Like I was really bad at the the game. I was good at recess. I was good at recess, but then you actually take me to the game and that's where it got a little bit difficult because I'm not actually able to do with the helmet and shoulder pads. So even though I wanted to try this thing, was not good at it, which is kind of how we all feel at times. We, we try something new. Or we want to kind of step into a new space, try a podcast like you have, or I want to be a coach, or I want to speak, or I want to take on a new job or a new project or lead something. And then you find out really quickly, oh, I don't have all the things I need for this. And in that emotional moment, you actually feel a pain of like embarrassment or fear of failure. And most people will kind of find ways to evade I'll remove myself, I'll make an excuse, or I'll self-sabotage and just flat out fail. And so that's the kind of direction I was going down. But thankfully, a couple of years later, like I had a moment where I kind of woke up, but like that was the first entrance into it. My mom had control. I had this feeling. It kind of sucked and I wanted to leave. So how did you get the strength to actually figure out how to get the skills to be able to compete? Because that was a short window of time to, Mm -hmm. you know, be in high school, get on the varsity team, go to college, uh, play football, go to the NFL. You had a lot of catching up to do. A lot of people who are in the NFL play starting from when they're four years old. So how did you catch up to your peers? Was that a mental thing that had to be turned on? Or like, how did you do that? I don't know if it was mental. Well, part of it was mental. You have to get to the point of having an actual sense of self that's rooted in this thing you're doing. And this is for anybody in anything you do. If you want to be successful, you have to believe it's who you are to be successful. Now, how you get there matters, you know, but because you can go there because mom and dad say, hey, you're phenomenal, you're great. You can get all that love and appreciation. But for most people, and for me, 
it happens through you creating something, like through building it and then looking at what you created and going, wow, that's who I am. I, I can do that. And then it's this realization of I'm better than what I believed. So for me, the football thing was very unique because I didn't have the skill set, definitely didn't have the confidence. So what I did is I spent an entire offseason from freshman to sophomore year trying to do the things a great football player does. Because at first, I didn't see myself as that. And when you don't see yourself as that, you actually feel incongruent and out of character. And most people that feel incongruent out of character don't stay in that same pocket. And the funny thing is, is when I say out of character, most people hear it as a negative. But the reality is when you're trying to do something great, that's out of character because you aren't that great yet. You know what I mean? So it's, it's actually a positive thing to try and do things out of who you see yourself to be. And that was the start of it. I started off by, you know, first trying to go and lift weights and get made fun of and run routes and get made fun of and catching footballs and get made fun of. But eventually, the more you do it, the better you get, almost inevitably. And then not only do you have a better skill set, but when you've invested in that much, like the time into something, the return is different than what most people believe. Most people believe the return on the investment of time is a skill set, but it's more than that. The return on the investment of time is a skill set, but it's also an internal identification as that being who you are. So that's why people who decide like, I'm going to go and box. Yeah, the first you know few times you're not a boxer, but you get out there three, four, five years. Yeah, you got skill sets, but on top of the skill set, you're a boxer. That's who you are. There's a different ownership to it. And so that's kind of what I did in that off season. And it's what we've all done. We've all actually done this many times in our life. We just do it haphazardly and we do it unintentionally. But when you actually get to the point of doing it with conscious forward effort, you can create whatever you want in life because you're creating not just the achievement, but also the transformation into that person. So just if I could like reiterate what you're saying, you're saying that once you actually believed that you were a football player, you became a better football player because you kind of stepped into look at it. who you wanted to be. I'd say identify as it because belief is interesting because belief can be fickle some days. I can believe in something all of a sudden can shake that, right? So I was like, you're not going to see a boxer goes out there and he's boxing, he gets punched in the face and goes, oh, I'm not a boxer anymore. No, you're always a boxer. That's just who you are, right? Or I believe I, can, I believe I can win this fight. and All of a sudden I get punched in the stomach. Maybe I don't believe I can win it anymore because I'm like, oh, this dude's great. Doesn't mean I, I don't identify as a boxer anymore. I just don't have the belief I can win the fights. So there's a difference there. But yes, mm -hmm. it's in the same vein of what you're saying. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into identity later. I know that's a big part of everything that you talk about. Yeah. But let's talk about you growing up still. So mm -hmm. were you aggressive having going through all of this in your childhood? Like, what was your demeanor like? Because you're so kind and positive now. Like, I've been listening to your interviews, watching you. And mm -hmm. like I said, like, you don't seem to have like a mean bone in your body. But I know that I, I think you were really aggressive growing yeah. up. So how did that transition? And what advice do you have to people who feel resentful or have aggression? How can they get over that? It's one of these things where like, so for me growing up, I, I didn't have much aggression. It's odd. Most people think like football is a great place because you were aggressive, you were angry, you're mean. Right? I'm like, yeah, that mm -hmm. wasn't what was coming through. What showed up as aggression was me fighting to keep my alignment in, in place. So whenever you believe you are something, God forbid someone try and take it from you because you will fight tooth and nail. Like if you think of a lion in the wild, that, that they just went, ran and killed that, that carcass. So if someone tries to come and take that, like we're fighting, that's mine. I deserve this. I earned this, right? So that's where the aggression mm -hmm. came from was me doing the work in the dark so that no one could take what was mine in the light. So my aggression came through and it always comes through when you're fighting to stay in alignment with, with what you believe is yours, what you believe you should have. That's why those who say, spend all this time to build a business, and someone comes along and says to me, you don't know anything about business. Wait, hold on, what'd you say? 
it's summer rear up, right? There's an aggression there. Football was the same thing. I, I spent the time in the weight room, lifting the weights, running the routes. So when, when that ball's in the air, that's my ball. I deserve this. If you're coming at me, I'm going to tackle you. I deserve this. So the aggression came there. Now, when you play a game like football, you have to learn how to activate and channel that. Like when I played the game, yeah, on the field, it's a switch. You, you have to become a different persona. We are different identities in different walks of life. Even when I played football, on the football field was a different identity than when I'm parenting my young son or I'm with my wife or I'm with my family, right? There's a different identity and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a different person, but a different part of you is being shown. A different part of you is being expressed, right? There's the gentle, there's the kind. So at this point in my life, it's like most people... The only reason I have, you know, this persona of like, I'm a gentle guy and I am a very nice, calm, cool, collected guy. This is the only identity I need to express right now. Now, if we're traveling mm -hmm. abroad or we're doing something and, and I'm with my family and somebody comes and approaches my family, you'll find that Anthony that played football, he still exists. I just don't need to express him right now. So it's not that this guy is different or I'm, I'm any, you know, nicer than I used to be. It's just that I've spent more time with this persona and this identity being expressed. And that's the same for anybody. And the aggression does come out, but it's also, it's also channeled differently. Like when I'm on a stage, there's a certain sense of like, not abrasiveness, but there's a certain directness that I bring, but it's not the same as football. It's just a different level of high flow. And when you can understand that it's okay to have these, and we all have these, and you can understand each one and, and bring it out when it needs to, you have a vastly better control of your life and your outcomes. So let's stick on identity since we keep bringing it up. Yeah. What is your definition of identity? Yeah. I, it's a word that we all know about, we but, do, but I don't want to hear time. it from you. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. It's, so here's identity. And this actually has ties into neuroscience and psychology. But it, my definition is who you are when you are not thinking about who you are is how you just show up in the world. And, and you'd be surprised certain people like there are people, you know, that if someone said, hey, how would so-and-so handle this? you would be able to answer it because you understand who they are, right? That's just the mm -hmm. nature of it. Good, bad, indifferent, you would be able to like, because that's you reading their identity. Now, the interesting thing is most people don't know their identity. There's a statement that I love and it goes, it's hard to see the label when you are inside the jar. So we all get this stance of like, I believe myself as this, and we'll list off accomplishments and stuff, but like there's a difference of who we actually are that other people in fact see. And the funny thing is that that version most people see, that one's usually responsible for your success or lack thereof. So when I look at this identity thing, I'm not looking at this spiritual, philosophical sense of like who I see myself. I'm literally looking at who are you each day? How do you handle opposition, opportunity? Um, how do you show up? Are you a consistent human? Are, do you have habits that are positive? Are you a liar? Are you honest? Do you have integrity? Things that would show up in immediate moments without you consciously processing. The $20 bill, you see somebody drop. Do you pick it up, put it in your pocket and keep walking? Or do you pick it up and go give it to them, right? That's a version of, that's somebody's identity you're seeing right now in real time. And that, it's instinctual. They don't stop, look at it and go, should I drop it? Should I pick it up? Put it in my pocket? Should I? No, I go to work, right? You're seeing someone's identity. And that, that little type of concept shows up in how your relationship flows, how your health taken care of, how your business runs, everything. And most of us don't realize it was programmed when we were kids, like it was just teachers, preachers, coaches, other leaders, they just television, news, radio, movies. You just kind of like, you just absorbed some things and started flowing out of that. And you haphazardly created this identity and it's showing up now. And so when I look at the shift, it's like probably 90% of us have all gone through life without intentionally creating or controlling this thing that's controlling our lives. 
And so I just go back and go, hey, how about we for the first time take a look behind the curtain, see what that label says, and then you can redo the label and show up differently and then have different things in life. You just mentioned that it's really difficult to understand how people view you. Like, mm-hmm. what is your identity to your mom, your friends, your coworkers? So would you say the best way to go about finding that is to maybe survey some of these people in your life? Like, how do you actually go about yeah. finding what people think about you so then you can kind of reframe who you want to be seen as? Yeah, that, that's actually great. So the thing is, there's a method. So we created those called the shift method. I say we, it's I and then my team, we all put it together and it's a program that we coach people through everything from executives to companies to individuals and everything in between. And so because everybody has an identity, even businesses do, you can apply the same methodology. And there are, there are steps. The first step is what's called the C phase. And the C phase is that. There are ways to engage individuals through questions, through certain um, structures and formats, and we call them frameworks that allow us to get a clear picture of who you are, both internally and externally from certain people in life as well as from yourself, right? And it all comes together to show you, like, this is who you are. And then it's sometimes very hard, oftentimes very hard to see that. But once you see it, now you can give yourself permission to improve. I think that the biggest issue we have in life, the biggest hardship that people have to experience is all the effort, but none of the return. They put time, energy, effort, money into something and go, how come I don't have any more money or freedom or free time? I'm working so hard. And I go, well, because you essentially were doing things, but you didn't look at what you needed to do. You didn't see what you needed to see about yourself. So it's like climbing a ladder, leaning against the building. You get to the top of the ladder and go, oh, well, the ladder's leaning against the wrong building. I didn't do my work, therefore you didn't make progress. Like if another one, like there's holes in a bucket, you didn't patch your holes. Like maybe you looked at so-and-so's bucket and said, okay, on the bottom and the center, I got to put a patch there and I got to put a patch in the top left here. And you started patching holes, but then you, that's somebody else's holes in their bucket. So that didn't even relate to you that the, the orientation, those holes are different for you. So when you can do that properly, now you can actually do the right stuff to make the right progression. So it's funny, I feel like I've been having this conversation about identity with a lot of my guests in Mm. different ways. And I guess what I want to ask you is, is there a need to kind of like categorize different elements of your life? So for example, a lot of us kind of focus about who we want to be when it comes to our career Mm. or our finances, but we forget about health, we forget about relationships and all these other things that are also priorities and important. So how would you go about kind of thinking about who you want to be in terms of your identity? And is there a need to kind of categorize them or or give us your example of, of your description of your identity so we can kind of understand how to go about it? Yeah. So your identity is going to show up in a lot of different areas. It's going to show up usually in health, wealth relationships, your health, physical, mental, all that kind of stuff, your wealth. What am I doing to create income and create wealth and, you know, live my life with freedom and control? And then also like your relationships, like it's going to be how do you show up in your marriage and your parenting and your brother as a sister, as a whatever. And so all these areas have a different identity and version of you. They're, they're usually rooted in some of the same stuff, but you have to understand, we'll call it what the levers you have to pull are. Because most of us have no idea. Like when I talk about, actually part of what we do is we architect a, a zone identity. And, and then just to make sure it makes sense, there's a level when we're in a zone, we're just impenetrable. We have confidence, we flow, we're clear, we're operational. Just everything seems to move and the world seems to just fade away and I'm at full speed, right? That's a zone. And that's a version of our identity that we have to shift into. But most people aren't aware of what's going on, right? So that's the first piece of it. But you have to actually craft that. You architect that before you can activate Mm -hmm. in your life. But you need to know what the different levers are that allow you to architect. There's six of them. 
And, and they float kind of in this, this other pool, which we'll talk about in a second. But the first six, the base core ones are beliefs, thoughts, actions, mindset, habits, and ego. And all those are kind of like a Venn diagram. Your beliefs, thoughts, and actions are the core pieces. And then you have overlapping beliefs and thoughts or mindset, overlapping actions and thoughts or habits, overlapping actions and beliefs are your personal pride and ego. And when you understand all these areas and then you create the version of your zone identity with these. So what does my zone identity believe? What does it think? What, what actions does it take? What are the habits it has? What are the, the, what's the mindset it has? What are the things that it anchors its personal pride and attachment to where it feels proud that it did this? When you can think, okay, that's the level of my zone. Now I got to architect the actions that allow me to habitually do things to become that, to be able to not just say, you know what, I, I think I could be a podcaster, but no, I believe I'm a podcaster because of blank, blank, blank. So when I look at the work I'm doing and how I talk to people, the first part of it is understanding the levers. And then once you understand what they are, now you can create something that allows you to pull those levers to where you actually set yourself up and in time you become that person. Oh my gosh, that's super powerful. I recommend that everybody go rewind that back because you dropped so many gems. So let's go back to your story. You had a huge identity shift at one point in your career. You were in the NFL, Mm -hmm. then you had a terrible shoulder injury and you found yourself at the you know, height of your career. And then the next minute you were a personal trainer Mm -hmm. and all that really mattered, I think, was caring for your family. So what was that shift like for you? And how did you come out the other side? Because a lot of people would have been just devastated from that point and maybe given up on their career where you went on to become a speaker and, you know, you went on to do a a million other positive things. So how did you get over that hump? I did the work I teach. And back then, I didn't know what I was doing. It, you, you start something out, it's like the first iterations, like, ah, oh, it just kind of sucks. You Like, you tattoo your own leg, and then eventually you're doing these amazing, you know, tattoos. Same thing. It's no different. I, I started out by looking at my life, and then like I going through a lot of different stuff of conversations I had to have, ownership I needed to take on situations, realizing that I was the common denominator in all of my problems, like certain little things. But then you start navigating through it. And what took me, you know, years to figure out, I've been able to collapse down for months for people. And they can actually go through the exact same type of process that's way more refined, way more structured, way more detailed. And it's not based on me guessing anymore. It's like, this is what you do. And it guides you through it. So for me, what I did is, I mean, actually, as I went back and took a look at my life and said, what, what problems do I have in my life, whether it's I caused them or I'm allowing them? And then where is my role in these? Like, what are the things I need to work on? And then I gave myself some real, you know, big ego pushes and kind of like buried what, what I was like, you know, oh, I, I can't admit that I suck in this. Like, no, I suck as a dad right now. I'm not a very good husband. Like, let's be honest, wasn't, right? So when you own these things, now you can move forwards. And then it goes through like actually like doing research, understanding like how, who I'm seeing and why I like what I'm seeing in their life. And you put together, it sounds odd, you kind of put together on paper, like this is the kind of identity I'd like to be. I'd like to be this guy. And this is why it's incredibly important to think about this. I always talk to clients and they tell me their visions and their dreams. And we live in a world with vastly too much information. And people assume that success is on the other side of some skill set or some book or some course. They think that's success. What I found is there are a lot of people with great information, but not the same levels of success. And when you, you get to it, there's one moment that always seems to rise up. And the moment is simple and clear. It's a moment of, you know, I got, I got to get something done but I don't feel like it. And so I make an excuse of I'm tired or it's been a long day or my, my wife's bugging me or the kids are acting up or the dog is sick or it was windy today, whatever, right? 
And then what ends up happening is when I have clients that'll come to me and we had something supposed to be done, they didn't do it. And I go, well, why didn't you get it done? They'll give me one of those excuses. And I go, hey, remember that goal you said you wanted of blank, blank, blank? They go, yeah. I go, well, the person who has that right now, would they make this excuse? And it's a very straightforward, so you sh- at that moment should go, oh, so it doesn't matter what I know, it's who I am with what I know. That's the key. So this is why identity is such an important piece. And when you start architecting and creating who is that person that wouldn't quit, that wouldn't stop, it's not some emotional in the moment, I push hard mindset thing. No, it's a tactical. Well, how do they navigate hardships? How do they handle conversations that are difficult? How do they organize their schedule? How do they do X, Y, and Z? And you craft that. What are their beliefs? What are they telling themselves in their thoughts? How is their mindset anchored? What habits do they actually have? Not that they want to have, but they're doing. Do they get up every morning early? Do they stretch before they go to sleep? Do they, you know, eat healthy food? What do they do? And then you start looking at, that's what I need to put into my life. So then for me, we take that and like, that's what I did back when I was going through the world. It's like, how do I do this stuff and make it real? And you just put it into your life, which is simple, but not. Because I know a lot of people that have planners with no idea how to plan. It's like, I got this cool planner and I don't do anything with it. But that's, you have to put it into your life. Once you've done the previous thinking, now it has to go into your life. Now, and is what you're talking about your GPS planner or is that something different? Well, I made that for me to be quite honest. And then I was like, all right, well, I guess other (laughs) people can use it. So then I got like 500 of them made and I shipped them out to my house. And now when people buy them, I just send them out. Uh, But it could be any planner. I just made one that works well with my system. So for me, all the things we do, it always trickles it back to the thinking, right? Because everybody thinks and it trickles it back to the thinking. Then I go, okay, great. Now that I've thought this out, let me make this real. There are a lot of people who operate in the world of what I do and they give great thoughts, powerful concepts, great imagination of what it could be. And then you, then you think it's all good, but then no one says, all right, this is exactly how it becomes real in your life. They give you homework sometimes, but like the homework's a thing you do today and you're done. It's like, think about it. When I went to school, I had a test to take or homework to do. I forgot what I did the day after. So how in the world does that become who you are? I realize it has to happen habitually. Like this, the, the method at the end of it gets to a point where I take all of those things and I give you a discipline system. It's tied to the planner, it's tied to planning, but it takes into account all the stuff we thought through well in advance. And now it brings it down to five things people do every day. You do these five things, I promise you, after like 90 days, you will look back and go, I am not the same person I was 90 days ago. And I have more than I had tangibly than I did 90 days ago. And the process should feel kind of like a coffee shop moment. Like I used to go to the coffee shop and do like long days. And I remember I'd get there and I'd scroll through my phone for the first couple of minutes and I would look around and eventually I'd be like, I got to focus. And I would put my head down and I'd first five, 10 minutes, I'm like focused on the fact that I'm trying to focus. But after a while, like I pop up and three hours disappeared. I'm like, where did the three hours go? Like, holy crap, I was just in, right? And when you're in flow with a discipline system in life, it's kind of the same thing. It's like the first day, two days, two weeks, you're thinking about it. But after a while, all of a sudden, some, it just drowns out and you're in flow. You're heading into mm. the zone. And then you pop up three months later, six months later, and you go, oh, I got a business that's running. I'm making money right now. Or my marriage is great. My relationship's great. I, I've taken trips. Like I'm in, good, I'm in better shape. All these things happened. And it almost seems like it happened unconsciously, but it didn't. You just kept doing what you were doing, but you did it with a process of finally crafting who you wanted to be. 
This episode of Yap is sponsored by Fiverr. Have you ever noticed how finishing a project is much harder than starting it? We all get these big, shiny ideas. We feel motivated, we write out a plan and milestones, but then when it actually comes to getting each action item done, we fall short. Fires come up, other priorities get in the way, and ultimately we get delayed and timelines get pushed back. There has to be a better way, a way where we're not just going from fire to fire, we're getting out of the day-to-day and actually making progress on the projects that will push our business forward, right? Right. Enter Fiverr. When you're trying to nail an important topic, you may need some extra help. Fiverr Business puts a world of expert freelancers at your fingertips so you can get that project across the finish line and be proud of your work. Plus, you'll get everything you need to seamlessly integrate your new team members into your workflow. At Yap Media, we have to hire very quickly. It's way too risky to roll the dice and bring on a random freelancer that we haven't vetted first. Fiverr Business makes it super easy for us to find and manage top talent. Their team of dedicated business success managers help match you with the best talent for your team. There's no more wasting time and resources and rolling the dice on new hires who half the time don't even live up to their resumes. And you can even collaborate with your team, manage projects, and share freelancers all in one workspace. Find the right freelancers you need to give your next project the boost it needs to finish strong. Right now, you can sign up for Fiverr Business absolutely free for the first year. Get one year free and save 10% on your purchase on Fiverr Business with promo code YAP. Just go to fiverr.com slash business and don't forget promo code YAP. That's fiverr.com slash business with promo code YAP. This episode of Yap is brought to you by Gusto. If you're a small business owner, this is for you. Running a business is just plain hard. There's endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it all. Gusto wasn't just built for small businesses. It was built for the people behind them. Their online payroll is super easy to use. They can automatically calculate paychecks and file all your payroll taxes, which means you have more time to run your business. Plus, Gusto does way more than just payroll. They can help with time tracking, health insurance, 401ks, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts. You get the idea. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from another provider, they can transfer all your data for you. At Yap Media, we are gearing up to start our HR benefits on Gusto. And this was the plan even before they sponsored the podcast. After doing my due diligence and research, I chose Gusto because they provide payroll benefits, onboarding, and HR all in one place for an affordable price for a budget that suits my growing startup. It's no surprise that 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto and that it's been trusted by over 100,000 businesses just like yours. Gusto really cares about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is super attentive and helpful. And since money can be tight right now, you can even get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash yap and start setting up your business today. You'll see what I mean when I say it's really easy. Again, that's three months of free payroll at gusto.com slash yap.
So let's talk about people who struggle being successful. So we all know those people who have goals Mm -hmm. and then never end up accomplishing them. Yeah. They want to do something. They talk about it all the time, but then they actually don't go out and do anything. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the big obstacles when it comes to actually achieving our desired identity and how can we overcome them? I mean, some of the big obstacles are going to be one, having no plan. Uh, just kind of operating off of sheer emotion. Like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm going to do it. I want to be this. I want to do this. I'm going to quit smoking. And it's like, yeah, but you got no plan. You just feel like that today. But then tomorrow when it's a long day and that smoke will make you feel real good, you go take it. You take a hit, right? See, the idea is like most people, they don't grasp that, that it can't be this thing where you operate off emotion. You've got to have a strategic plan in place that allows you to understand what you're doing. And then I think that it's other pieces, like you got to have accountability. You need somebody else who knows what's going on. So in your weak times, you can kind of push forward. And you have to find ways to do things that make you feel like it's not who you are to do it. And people will say the comfort zone, like get out of your comfort zone. And so what that really looks like, it's, hey, I got a business to grow. In order to grow the business, I need to go and ask people to pay me money for this. Now, it's easy to sit behind a computer and make things on Canva and pretty images and post videos that nobody write. But it's very hard for a lot of people to get into a conversation and say, hey, I do this thing. It'll help you pay me $20,000 for this. It's very scary, right? And so most people like they'll evade that and they'll find ways to not, and they go, I'm broke. Yeah, because you aren't doing the stuff, right? Because that's out of character. So in order to get there, you must do things that are in the character of the the person who has what you want most. Because the person who has $20,000 clients they're probably asking for them to pay them $20,000. It's like, it's, it's logic. We don't think of it this way. We always wonder, oh, I'm doing the stuff, I'm doing the work. You aren't doing the right stuff. And so you've got mm-hmm. to start looking at what are the things that are incredibly out of my comfort zone that are in the character of the person who has a life that I want. I think that's totally true. I think anytime you're out of your comfort zone, you're actually growing. That is what growing feels like. It feels like being out of your comfort zone. It feels like something new. Um, And you need to get used to being uncomfortable if you want to be successful. So I totally agree there. Okay. So how does ego play into all this? Because I know ego is a big part of it. I know you have a cool acronym for ego. I'd love to understand how ego relates to everything we're talking about. Ego protects your current identity. That's the thing it does. Your ego shows up to protect with actions who you see yourself to be. And this is a thing is most people assume it's always bad, but the ego is actually one of the greatest tools we have for success. So my ego, when I played professional football, said, you're a football player, dude. So you'd better eat right, lift weights, run routes, learn a playbook, tackle people. That's mm-hmm. your ego's attached to the actions to be able to say, see, that's who I am. Now, the problem is the ego just protects the identity. It doesn't gauge whether or not it should protect it. It just does. So whenever you're a bad communicator, you're, you know, maybe not the most honest person of integrity, maybe you're a little bit lazy, it will again protect that identity. And so it shows up in ways to block you. It's, it's everyone's greatest opportunity, but also everyone's greatest obstacle. Because whenever you want to grow to the next level, it's going to force you to have to look at yourself and see things that you aren't that great at. Give yourself permission to improve in that area. But the ego steps in and says, no, 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 I I don't need any help in this business. I'm okay. It's all her fault in the relationship. That's what's going on. Or I'm just too busy to go to my kids' sports games. I got the the business is here. It's like, no, man, your ego is protecting the horrible part of your identity right now. And the longer you let that happen, the longer you'll kind of sustain this negative feeling of your life. You got to be able to go in and go, yeah, I suck at that. Like pull the ego back so you can go like, I suck at that area. So I must improve. Because the cool thing is the moment you do that, you actually relieve all the stress. 
Because if anybody comes up and says, hey, you're a bad dad, you go, yeah, you're right. I'm working on that. Right? Hey, you're not, you're not the great communicator. You're right. I've been working on that. Now, what are they going to say to you? So this area that most people step into, they don't realize that the ego they have is their biggest hindrance, and their biggest obstacle. But if you can learn to take care of it and control it differently and manage it properly, it'll give you all the green lights to create whatever you want in life. Are there any actionable tips that you can give us in terms of getting over our ego and mm-hmm. realizing when the ego is getting in our way and, and how to get over that? Yeah, you get to protect your identity, uh, which you have in place, or push away success. There's, I mean, practical tips are in the moment of it. Whenever you feel like that ball in your stomach climbed to your throat and you get angry when somebody says something because in the back of your head, you're like, how dare you poke that on me? And I, for example, I got a guy who's a buddy of mine who calls and says, hey, you know, my girlfriend and I are having an argument. It's a little conversation. I go, what's going on? He says, well, she, you know, she had some issues take place and she went somewhere and she wanted chocolate, but she didn't actually say, get me some chocolate. She just mentioned she wanted. But like her thinking of it made me think chocolate sounds good. So I went, I got some chocolate for myself and I ate it all. And she was mad. <laughs> right? Hey, Holly, see what I'm saying? How crazy. That's how people think though. Unconscious. He wasn't even thinking about it. So he's the chocolate. She's mad. Why is she mad? She's being irrational. She's not. She's not being irrational. First off, she mentioned something to you, but she didn't ask directly. I said, I know she didn't ask directly, but you're saying it to me because part of you knows that there's something off here, right? But I said, on top of that, you got to realize that you did something off. And if you don't, then you're going to do it again and again and again, because you will protect that part of your identity and whatever it is. Or you can pull the ego back and go, look, I messed up. But in that moment, he goes, I feel like she was attacking me. I know it feels like that. She wasn't attacking you. You just feel bad because she pointed something out that you know is true. And you might have to accept that and work on it. It's not an attack. It's just, it's an attack on your ego, but not an attack on you. And so yeah. you'll, you'll notice it in the moments where you feel attacked or you feel like there's like, you feel like you want to fire back at somebody because they said something to you. But if you, le- if you learn to listen to what people are saying, not just how they're saying it, you'll find that the world's trying to give you ways to improve. Everybody in your life who loves you, they're saying things to you because they want you to be, but no one, no one wants someone they love to feel like crap. That I know, I, I've never met anybody where I, I, I love you and I hate you, I'm a kick in the, in the teeth, right? We're, we're saying things that we think in our head, like, man, if you just knew this, your life could be better, you could do better, but you're taking it as an attack on your persona. It's typically not. I mean, there's obviously moments where there are, let's be honest, there are some sucky people. But the majority of it, it's not, but we feel it that way. So a tactical thing would be like, when you feel that, stop for a second and question, go, why do I feel that? Is there truth to it? If there is truth to it, can I own up to it and admit it and then give myself permission to improve? Because the moment you give yourself permission to improve, here's a beautiful thing. You release that anxiety because now you've admitted it. It's like, it feels bad for a second, then it kind of drops off the deep end. Like, I don't feel bad anymore. And you now have an ally somebody who wants to be there to support you, to help you, to love on you, and you find you actually deep in relationships. So like, it should be, when you still feel those moments, those should be precursors that, that kind of notify you like, oh, ego's popping up right now. Let me take a look at this. That's such great advice. So I know that you talk about identity shift and you've got three steps to mm-hmm. have an identity shift. It's see, shift, and sustain. Yeah. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing a lot of it kind of just conversationally, but Look at it like this. C shift sustain can show up in what I call like your zone identity, but there's three stages. So the first one C is like seeing your zone legs. If you want to get to the zone, there are things that are lagging behind. They're the parachutes pulling on the car. So you got to find out what are the things that are keeping me stuck? What are the holes in my bucket, right? So that's the C phase. 
the shift phase is the work. It's actually creating what's called a personalized shift plan. It's from you seeing what you need to work on and then you crafting an actual plan to take care of it. Doesn't always mean you're activating it and putting it in the world just yet. It just means you're crafting that plan so you know like, all right, this is what I need to do to change my life. It's certainty. That's the one thing a lot of us lack is certainty. And the way we do it, you come out of that, you look at a piece of paper and go, dang, if I did this, I would become this and I would have that. I'd have the car, the house, the relationship. So like, this is what I got to do to become that person that has those things. Then the last piece is what's called a discipline system. It's a system that you put in place around your life, how you structure things, how you plan things, how you infuse stuff into your life, how you keep good boundaries so people don't come and tear down your plan and your process and you can stay in flow. If you fall off track, how to get back on track quick. This is all part of it. And when you have the discipline system, that's you at the coffee shop. Head goes down, I go to work. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, here's the crazy thing. In the beginning, it is hard to do. It really is. A lot of the things we talk about habits-wise that are out of character, it's hard to do. But here's what happens. After a while, you've been doing it for a while, it becomes who you are to do it. So where in the beginning, it was really hard for you to do that, it now becomes harder to not do it. Hmm. Let me explain this. Like, I hope this one, if we got anywhere in this conversation, this is where we need people to get. When we're looking for identity shift, let's say, for example, it's cold calling in your business. In the beginning, it'll be incredibly hard for you to do it. But then you do it enough to where like you get success and you finally it's who you are to do it. It'll be the thing where like it's hard for you to not do that every day. And so what happens is when it's that level, it's easy. It's effortless effort. And now what happens is you get the same, if not more return than you did when it was hard to do because you could do more of it. It's easy. And, and that shows up in any place in your life. And when you can transition to that shift of like this hard stuff is now it's who I am so much so that it's easy to do you start accumulating so much momentum that people look at you and think you're magical. Like, no, I just, I made this shift and this is now who I am. And did you go over the last one, the, the that, tree step? Oh, I didn't know. That's, that's actually part of the process. That's what's called a sub framework. But yeah, the, the actual beginning of all of this comes down to, like, I look at like the GPS, like I want to go somewhere and then I got to chart that path. But most of the time I have to figure out where you're starting because GPS needs two destinations or two different locations, where I'm at, where I'm going. So we do something called Roots and Fruits. That's uh, it's 10 separate sections of who you are that create the tree of life that is you. And when you anchor these down and you're clear on them, it actually gives you the ability to understand where you need to make improvements in your, in your actual life experience. And that weaves into the process as well. But that's more of our measuring tool. We start with that, get a clear picture where you're at, and we periodically are checking that throughout. So you have this tangible like numeric base of like, oh, I see myself making this shift. Got it. Okay. So I want to talk about environment because all of this sounds great, Mm -hmm. but I feel that if you're not in a healthy environment, it is almost impossible to do anything like this. I've been in situations where, for example, I started a company that I now have 63 employees. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was first starting my company, my partner at the time was really negative about it Mm -hmm. and told me that I couldn't do it and and told me I was crazy for quitting my job. And it was really hard for me to actually make that shift into an entrepreneur entrepreneur because I had a lot of people in my life who were telling me, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. I proved them all wrong, but 
I feel like I would have made that shift a lot quicker had I just had a more healthy environment about that specific topic, right? So what do we do if we're in a bad environment? And in your opinion, does it not matter? Can you do this no matter what environment you're in? No, it's a big piece of it. So in the roots and fruits, one of it is actually like it's it's friends, it's family, it's it's where you place your energy. Because the problem is, is for a lot of people, they think they can do it in a bubble and then all of a sudden pop out to the world and say, hey, look at me, world. But we're not humans that are built like that. We are literally designed for connection. How, I mean, it's how we're built from handshakes to eyeballs to the, vo- the fact that I can vocal, I have a brain chemistry that, that figures some thought out and it puts it into my lungs to push air through vocal cords into a microphone out to your ears. You hear it and it does something to your brain. Like that's, that's a divine design and that's not an accident, right? So you can't operate in a silo. And so what I've found is like, you've got to be around. Here's why you got to be around people. There's a lot that we don't know we don't know. It's just too much. There's vast amounts of knowledge that we'll never even realize we don't have access to. But what I've found is when you're around people, there's kind of like this weird, um, there's a great book called Outwitting the Devil. It's, it's about harmonizing. And when you are around higher level people, you'll naturally harmonize to what they think, how they flow. It'll feel like a fish out of water when you're first around them. And they elevate your conscious thought of what's possible beyond what you could have thought on your own. And so when you want to elevate yourself, people are like, get around the great people. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that to be 100% true. I think it's like 90% true. I think you are the expectations of the five people you surround yourself with. And the, the difference is actually pretty big because if I say I want to make $2 million and I have a half a million dollars right now, you'd assume you got to hang out with millionaires, people that have a million dollars. And I'm like, okay, but what if none of them want to make more than a million? There's a guy that's side by side and we both, $500,000 a year, we both want to make $2 million. I'm with him because his expectations are above the millionaires. Now, they may have different information. I may go peace and grab some things, but I want to be with the people that have expectations of the place I want to go. So that's the difference. And so that's why environment and community is big because you feed off them, but you also get insights and information that you would never have created in your own brain. Oh my gosh, I love that. Expectations. I think that's great. Okay. I want to talk about your new book, Identity Shift, comes out in August. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Awesome. What, what can people expect from your book? Uh, you can expect two things. One, it's anchoring the concept down. So I, I wrote it in a way that gets you to get it, if that makes sense. Like I want people to really embody and embrace it, like digest, like, oh, that's what identity is. And then from there, the concepts go into action. Because I think there's a lot of good books and teachings that give you the concept. You go, okay, and then you got to figure out what to do with it all. Whereas for me, I, in the book, I put in our shift method, like the, the baseline understanding of it's all inside there. And so what happens is you could actually go in and then read through it. And then now that you read through it, you understand. And then anybody listening now, if you go to identityshiftbook.com and then use the code YAP, uh, which is the code specific for this podcast, I give you, after you've bought the book, the audio book, the digital book, and a workbook that allows you to increase the cognitive rigor of this, which means you learn it in the book, but then... I mean, how often we read books and forget 90% of what they were. Whereas for me, I'm like, I want you to get it. But if you can get it, listen to it, and then go apply a couple of different, like think through critical thinking, oh, it angers itself. So now in your subconscious, you've rooted some thoughts of how you're giving yourself permission, how you're taking action, what you're doing, and then you can actually make that shift in time. Awesome. And I'll definitely stick that link in the show notes. Thank you for creating something custom for my audience. And the last question I ask all my guests, and this Mm -hmm. is an opportunity for you to share something that you wanted to talk about that maybe you didn't get to, is what is your secret to profiting in life? Profiting in life? Um, Peace. That's it. That's the answer. (laughs) I wish there was a better one. I think that there's this desire for people to be somewhere at all times 
that they're not at currently. And for me, I found a great way to fall in love with the the day and not the destination. And there's mm-hmm. something unique about that in my mind because it's like metaphorically, think about if I was to travel to wherever you're at, I'm, I'm just going to assume you're, where are you at? I just maybe asked New that. Jersey. You're in New Jersey. I'm on the other side of the world or country, not world. Might as well be the world sometimes. So if I want to <laughs> go to your like house, right? I leave my house and I, I the, the car to get me is late and it's freezing outside. I'm stuck in the rain and then I get to the airport. My flight's delayed and I got to sit next to a baby when I get on and then I land. And then the, the, the car I get into takes me to the wrong location and I get to the place. Even if your place was amazing and beautiful, I'd still walk in a frumpy mood right? Because the journey there sucked. So even the destination being great doesn't help. But if I leave the house and it's beautiful outside and the limo picks me up early, I get to the airport and I say, hey, sir, we're going to upgrade you to first class. Cool. And I land and I get there as a meal waiting. You got a little sign like, hey, let's get some food and we go to the place. Even if your house is dirty and not ready to go, I'm cool. So in a good mood, we'll get it cleaned. You know, like there's, I got time because I'm in a good mood and I enjoy the destination mm-hmm. or the journey. So what I'm looking at for, for my life, I believe is seeking peace like not in a, like a sit in a pillow, but like I think peace is finding joy in things that you don't want to do. There's things like I, I I had a two hour drive to and from a podcast this morning to get back to my house and here. The whole time I could have been funky, like oh, I got to drive two hours. But I was like, I get to listen to music and I get to look at the, the, the mountains and I get to see people in cars and I get there, I get to hang out with cool people. I get to come back and talk to Holland. My family's here. Like I seek active joy and I find peace in it. Therefore, here's the cool thing and why it's so important you experience the world different because I can only give out what I have inside. And whatever I give out, the world is a mirror reflects back to me. If I give out funkiness because funky is in me, I get funky back and I hate life. But if I have like peace, I give out peace. The world that sees the peace reflects it back to me. I experience life different. And then I have joy when I create things. I have joy when I show up in my business. I, I make more money because people like to be around me more. I'm in a better mood majority of the time, right? So the world reflects back positive things. And so for me, I think like that's what's allowed me to be as profitable and successful in my life is just having more peace and seeking that in the day to day. For some reason, another question popped in my mind, and that's yeah. forgiveness. Mm. Because whole different one. You having such a crazy life, like you're talking about peace is the for me. That's how I profit in life. I'm I'm peaceful, and to me, that sounds like I'm not resentful for my past either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for all the you could be easily a very resentful person knowing how you grew up and and different things that have happened in your life. Mm -hmm. So what is forgiveness? How did you forgive people in your life for what they did to you? Because you had a lot of people who did bad things to you in your life. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting lot. So I put logic to it. When emotions, high intelligence actually gets kind of low, in my opinion, like we don't think right, we don't process smooth, we just, we think in red (laughs) or we think in white. It's like, oh, it's all amazing, right? And so I started thinking, I was like, all these people have, have made me feel horrible. And I started thinking like, why? And a couple of things have come to come light for me. Like I had a mom that gave me away, a, a real dad who didn't come around when I was born ever until I found him later on in life. I've had, you know, things in my marriage happen. I've had things in business happen. And what I've noticed for all of them are two things. One is everybody was doing their thing. And there might've been one or two people my entire life, but majority of people, they did things for themselves, not to maliciously hurt me. It wasn't a tactic or a ploy to to try to actively make Anthony feel bad. It was like, I'm going to do this thing for me, right? And doing it for me, unfortunately, it sucks for Anthony. That's just the nature Mm -hmm. of it. So I was like, all right. So they didn't do it to intentionally hurt me. Like, okay, what what do I take the anger to? And then I go to the fact of like, well, if they did it for themselves selfishly, why would they do that? And then to a T, I find that most people just, they didn't get the right home training, man. 
they were devoid of something that they needed in their life to be able to be who they needed to be for me. And so am I going to get pissed at a zebra because it has stripes? It's like, man, mm-hmm. I'm going to carry this anger around when the reality is, it's like, you kind of have to have compassion. Like my real mom has to live the rest of her life knowing she didn't get to do anything in my world and experience me as an adult man with my wife and my kids. She's going to miss out on that forever, right? There's, a, there's a, a compassion, almost a pity. that's like, man, it's sad simply because her parents and her world didn't give her the tools she needed to be a present mom. Now, I'm not saying she's not at fault for some of this stuff because at a certain point you're aware, right? But am I going to carry that? Like, I don't need to carry that. In fact, like, I, I feel sorry for you. Like, it sucks. You get, to, you get to miss out on this man in my life. And then on top of that, one of the big things I look at is like when you, when you go off in the world, like if you really care about somebody, you really want them to do good. And the, the longer you hold that, that shame and, and kind of heavy over them, they can't grow out of it. And then on top of that, you go back to that same, what you have inside, you give out. And if I carry that around all day long, that comes out of me and the world reflects it back to me. And like, mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship and you have trust issues because your mom gave you away, well, then every time this person goes out, all of a sudden you're like, where are you at? What's going on? And then you cause havoc in the relationship. And now you're self-sabotage and that person feels crappy. And all of a sudden, guess what happens in your life? You did it not to intentionally hurt that person, but they feel like, look, you should trust me. I've done nothing to make you not trust me. And you're, you're making them feel bad. And all of a sudden now you got to experience that. And it's a weird, crappy cycle. And so that's all these things tie together. So I started looking at, at logic when I started looking at forgiveness and saying, man, first off, they do it intentionally to try and hurt my life. And then if not, like what skill were they not given? What was taken from them? And what is something that I could have compassion and pity for? Super powerful stuff. I'm so glad that we went down that road because I think it's really important for my listeners to understand because I totally agree. Your energy is everything. And what you put out to the world, what you think about in your head, what you're feeling is literally what the world is giving back to you at all times. So it's really important to protect your energy and to proactively try, to your point, feel joy, feel peace, feel that higher vibration uh, so you can get that back into your life and and get abundance in your life. So I totally agree there. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you? You and everything that you do, Anthony. Yeah, if you go to uh, anthonytrucks.com or Instagram, Anthony Trucks, or go to identityshiftbook.com and you can grab the book and find out more about me there. Thank you so much. It was such a great conversation. Very welcome. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure you take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can always keep up with our latest content. Anthony gave us such great insight on what identity truly means and how we can actionably shift it. He spent years of his childhood in and out of foster homes. He experienced abuse at a young age. The first shift happened in his life when he started identifying himself as a football player. He defines identity as who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. Again, that's who you are when you are not thinking about who you are. Your identity is how you show up in the world. And by changing his outlook on his identity, Anthony achieved the ultimate goal of going pro in the NFL. Shifting is not about changing who we are. It's about upgrading who we are. The first step in shifting is the C step. This is all about clarity. To truly see yourself, you have to recognize your life and your experiences. You have to determine what actions you can take to improve your own value. To actually shift, Anthony told us to focus on one daily thing to push us in the right direction. After 90 days, that one thing will become a routine. 
Shifting is all about having a plan to follow through. And the sustained step enables us to have a discipline system to keep our planning and processes alive. Another huge takeaway from this interview was when Anthony talked about ego. Ego is actually one of the greatest tools we have for success. It can be everyone's greatest opportunity or everyone's greatest obstacle. Most of the time, we need to reflect on our ego and see how we can improve ourselves. If we can control our ego, it will give us all the green lights to get where we want in life. If you want to learn more about how to delve into self-discovery and transform your life, check out episode number 41, Transform from the Inside Out with Mark Metry. In that episode, I talk with Mark about his journey as a young entrepreneur and how he turned his life from awkward teen to celebrity podcaster. Here's a clip from that episode. So first off, I'm definitely human in the sense of like, I have insecurities, I have fears. I sometimes try to run away from pain and I don't like it and and things of that nature. But also growing up the way that I did and being locked almost in like my own mind for like almost a decade, I slowly begin to realize the importance of just enduring something, feeling that pain so that your mind almost is, depending on your perspective, of course, because there's a lot of people who do go through the pain, but they never end up coming out. Mm. That end up shifting their perspective and using that pain as sort of a way to build their mind. And I know today, like there's no way I could possibly be doing what I'm doing, like speaking and podcasting and all this stuff without going through a ton of social anxiety and, and without going through literally every single day, my brain telling me, you're a loser, stop talking, you shouldn't talk to these people versus now being on a stage and talking to people. And my brain still sort of operates in that same way. But because I've seen this happen so often, I'm now able to be like, I literally don't care what anybody thinks about me Mm -hmm. or what my brain is telling me people thinks about me because there's a big, big difference. And so it's just a massive grower. And, you know, obviously I'm still human. Sometimes I try to run away from it, but I know like in the long term, it's good. And like I read this quote and it's like a bad day for the ego is a great day for the soul. And it's basically like when you go through hard times, it's going to suck, but you've just got to realize this is just part of reality. This is just part of existence. There's ups and downs and those downs are going to bring you up if you're able to shift your perspective and really use it to grow rather than be like, oh, you know, this thing sucks or that thing or like what I hear a lot of people my age in like this complain and blame culture. Again, if you'd like to learn more about an efficient growth mindset and how to transform your life by pushing through pain, check out episode number 41, Transform from the Inside Out with Mark Metry. And as always, I want to end this episode with a recent Apple podcast review. And this week's shout out goes to Danny3654 powerful and insightful podcast. Hala is an incredible interviewer and asks really probing questions. You almost feel like you're in the studio with them when she chats with her guests. Uh, Thank you so much, Danny, for listening and for taking the time to write us a thoughtful review. I'm super happy to hear you feel the intimacy of the conversations. I try to know everything about my guests so they feel comfortable in opening up and knowing that I fully prepared for the interviews. And of course, I want to give a big kudos to my assistant producer and lead researcher, Greta, for all her hard work in supporting me with these episodes. She prepares bios and briefs and facts and questions. And then I do my own research as well. And it makes for a really great dynamic duo. Uh, So shout out to Greta and shout out to Danny365 
by four for leaving us this amazing review. And if you want to be featured on Young and Profiting Podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That is the number one way to support us at Young and Profiting Podcast. It's a free and effective way to show your support. So please take a moment, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't have access to Apple Podcasts, you could try CastBox, Podbean, wherever you listen to this show should be fine. And go ahead, share Young and Profiting Podcast with your friends and family on social media. It is my absolute most favorite thing when listeners take a screenshot of their app listening to the end of the show, then they upload it to Instagram, tag me at Yap with Hala, and then let's chop it up in the DMs. I would love to connect with you. You can find me on LinkedIn at Hala Taha as well. And we are so thankful for our listeners. Thank you again for tuning in to another wonderful episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. Big thanks to the Yap team as always. This is Hala signing off.